and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. I am the newly, mostly revitalized Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I am the continuously curious Ryan Quintel. Uh, I know bo- both of those start with C and my last name starts with a Q, but you can call me Q. And why are you newly uh, revitalized here? What did well, I'm your not sickness... as sick as I was last week. I was going to say your sickness has turned around. I know. And that was, uh, this was the week that I um, made my big triumphant return to uh, Kano Lorenz uh, for the Assassin's Creed 4 issue and uh, had a sound of play recording with Carl Moon. So, you know, it's just a... Uh, just spreading my sickness as and onto as many podcasts as I possibly could. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear you back on these other shows and so glad that you can work for a cool place that uh, allows you to do cool things. Unlike the total squares I was working with. Yeah, the absolute, just the stodgy <laughs> squares from before. Well, let's not burn any bridges here. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed... All of my employers, uh, even uh, even the brief little stint at the UPS store that I did back in uh, early grad school, I enjoyed that. What would you say is the, speaking of burning bridges, what's the worst job you ever had? I mean, honestly, I've been pretty lucky. I think, I think that UPS store job is the worst job that I've ever had. And yeah. that one is still like, I got along with everyone there. Like my boss was fine. Uh, you know, it was just, it was positive. It was just like, I described it as the only job that I've ever had that I wouldn't do if I wasn't getting paid for it. So, you know, if that's the worst you can do, then that's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. I agree that, I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. My worst job, he would blush to hear me talk about it, but I think he knows and he might even agree with me. My worst job, my uncle helped me get, uh, it was working in a logistics warehouse and I was on my feet for nine hours a day and I was wearing through pairs of sneakers faster than you could sneeze. And I remember it was the first time I ever related to the feeling of like going to take a bathroom break, not because I needed to go to the bathroom, but I just needed to get away like for a second yeah. from the job. And oh my goodness, I, for all of the workers out there that are fulfilling Amazon packages or, you know, generally online shoppers, if you can buy something locally, just do it. <laughs> Don't put these poor people <laughs> through picking stuff out of these usually uh, not great condition warehouses and, and really, really well, Let's not turn work. the shoppers and the workers against each other because they're not the ones who are making the policies here. Yeah, that's right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the real enemy is uh, is uh, the, the people who are running the companies. That's right. So all I'm saying is if you can buy it from a store, let's go support a local business. Shop small. That's right. And uh, just like the local businesses, we are... Just about as uh, homegrown as video games can get. In fact, we don't even bother growing them at home or <laughs> elsewhere. So uh, we fabricate. Hugh, why don't you lead off with uh, your video game pitch for the week? My 3D printed video game idea this week is a new take on pilot wings. So I'm pitching this week a sort of pilot wings world where you can go to different islands or different locales um, at different points around the world. And you're doing so around the era where each of these places was first getting in to the flying machines business. Uh, you're going to places like France and you're going to get into France is one of the first places to have a flying balloon. America, you get the Wright Brothers craft that you're sort of maneuvering around. 
uh, maybe you do some like bamboo copter stuff for Japan and uh, Italy, you get Da Vinci uh, inventions and that sort of thing. And then you could do these challenges at these locations and maybe even collect regional materials that help you build and modify crafts to go use in like a sandbox mode or something like that. So a, uh, a worldly pilot wings is what I bring you this week. All right. Sounds good. We'll start the clock there. So are we envisioning this being pretty grounded in, uh, you gave those examples of the real life inventors and the things that were happening in that time period and, and uh, era. Um, but uh, are we thinking of getting a little bit more fantastical with this, taking it in any kind of like a steampunk direction or an alternate history type thing? I think we could definitely do that. I, I, what I do like about the concept is Pilot Wings traditionally has been in one locale, one island. Maybe there's a couple different angles and obstacles that get set up in that island. But I love the idea of traveling to places and getting regional music and regional obstacles yeah. and uh going a little bit more in that direction we've uh we've pitched before a game that is set across a map of the united states and is built to scale um that would be maybe overkill uh, to build the entire world to scale but even like a scaled down version i think would be uh just a real joy to kind of like fly around and explore if you have any level of kind of like you know, attention to detail in these in these places and kind of get that touristy sense of uh, where you want to go. And let's take a trip over down to, uh, to, you know, the Sahara Desert and see what that looks like from above. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm I'm kind of racking my brain a little bit about what the format of a Pilot Wings challenge was. I feel like they're they're always dropping you with the intention of all you can really do is land. And I think to travel very far distances, you would need to be able to potentially climb in your uh in your, you know, ascend instead of just kind of hit some rings and land. But uh, I, I don't see why you couldn't do sort of an abbreviated uh, global thing. And then, you know, you get challenges like uh, start in North America and land in Australia and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe you could even kind of progress through time in a way so you can get more and more powerful aircraft as uh, the game goes on. And that would allow you to more easily cross between uh, continents. That would be cool. And especially if you could like bring materials from, you know, throughout time, like bamboo is an example of a material that uh, was probably used in early crafts, like we see in Japan, uh, mostly abandoned, but it is a, like a very lightweight and tough material um, and affordable material. I don't know if you bring in like economies and stuff to this, but potentially saying, hey, have you thought about like, taking the Wright Brothers plane, but building it out of materials that they wouldn't have had mm. access to. Yeah. Or if you could uh, maybe just based on, I don't know if this is free roam or if it's mission based, if it's mission based, like a pilot wings game, this might not really even be a factor, but if you choose to take your craft into other parts of the world, then that could inspire their development of a uh, future aircraft. And you can start to see kind of a cross contamination of ideas. Oh, that's interesting. So what you're saying is, Oh, is the proposal there land? You could land. What if the whole world was kind of linearly time based and depending on where you like launched and landed your craft, you were bringing that sort of technology to that area. And then you saw yeah. like the that area ships change. Is that kind of what you were getting to? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, I mean, it would be kind of an overtime thing. So you wouldn't notice it while you were there. But 
you know, maybe if you, maybe there's like an endurance race type of uh, aspect to it where you have to land and kind of like set up maybe trading routes like in 80 days, or maybe you have to, uh, you know, put yourself up in a hotel overnight just so you're trying to like manage your own wellness over these like multiple day trips. Um, you know, we've also, again, pitched the idea of a game that's based on like it's a mad, 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 mad world where you are tasked with covering a large, uh, expansive land, like an entire state, but uh, you can kind of choose any means to get there. You can, uh, you can drive your car, you can f- drive to an airport and try to hire a private plane to take you to where you need to go, just whatever it takes to get you to this other location in a, in a multiplayer type of uh, setup. This could be like, like an around the world in 80 days type of scenario where, you know, maybe there is a level of improvisation, but uh, a lot of it is just trying to survive a journey around the world and oh, that's um, interesting. taking all these different, you know, dirigibles and hot air balloons and airplanes and boats and trains and whatever it is that you can uh, find yourself in. I do like the idea of presenting an experience where you take off from any one of the many locales that you want and then you get into the sort of business having to like loop the globe to return back to that spot. So like you could ask someone if they've done like the China to China run uh, or the, mm-hmm. or just the China run, right? Where like they are, uh, the China run sounds like it's a Star Wars thing or something. Hey, the China run in less than 12 parts. <laughs> That's right. You circle the globe starting from a place. And that means depending on where you sort of, start that journey, you will have a different vehicle to do things like cross the Pacific Ocean and and like the materials you have access to to maybe upgrade or repair or maintain your ship over time change based on the sort of linear path you take. I do like the idea of this feeling a little bit more paper airplane-esque and a little bit more okay. sort of Breath of the Wildy and like having to, you know, position or move an avatar around and actually like get them up into a high place in order to like actually launch off from certain distances, but that might not be entirely sort of sustainable. That could be fun uh, as you know, maybe you have to build your own aircraft uh, using period appropriate materials and a kind of Banjo-Kazooie nuts and bolts style. Um, You see all those, uh, those compilation videos of old timey, you know, flying machines that people made that didn't work. And, uh, you just think like, what were they thinking? But at the same time, like each of those had kind of a seed of an idea and that would be kind of fun experience to reproduce. Um, especially if you did have kind of a physics system guiding, um, you know, if you were given very limited resources and you and whoever was, um, competing against you in this particular game were given like five minutes to construct your vehicle. And then you have to basically take it off a cliff and see who who flies the longest or who survives the journey even. That's cool. So now you could get into the business of like, I think that's, it's almost a shame that we kind of did not get the true like online connected pilot wings because I think now more than ever, you're really ripe to uh, have those leaderboards and have a lot of competition globally going to sort of make pilot wings uh forgive the pun, take off uh, more than it ever has before. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I think uh, you called out Breath of the Wild and, um, you know, obviously that has its physics system with um, 
with the the wind that you can catch. I, I like the having to factor in the directionality of the wind is always a fun challenge. Um, having the little kind of air vents that can push you back upwards, or as um, uh, we call it on the Canada Winds podcast, the stacks of steam that push you upwards. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe even being able to shape aspects of your environment to set up obstacle courses and challenge your friends online. We can call that one there. I think we've covered some good ground and some good air as well. So <laughs> let's come up with a name for this game. You know, I hesitate to. It sounds very Nintendo to say something like Pilot Wings World Tour or something like that. I was thinking maybe like a subtitle to Air is Human. <laughs> Pilot wings to air is human. Like to air. <laughs> Pilot wings across the sea. Is there something that like Amelia Earhart was trying to accomplish that was like distinct enough for us to reference? <laughs> um, I, th- I think she was just trying to cross the Atlantic, right? Right. Pilot wings across the Atlantic is uh, is kind of cool too. Pilot wings, the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> That's right. Peace, you done. All right. So what are we settling on here? Uh, let's make let's, a call. What are, Pilot wings across the sea. All right. That's nice. It has uh, the theme song built in as well. Going to my pitch for the day, I've decided that I'm interested in learning more about the demolition industry. Uh, you know, I don't really know much about, like, realistically what it takes to take down a building. I've done it in video games a lot, but obviously you're not really um, controlling for other buildings in the area you know the uh the dust that it kicks up and the potential danger that it poses to your workers and to passersby so how about a game in which you have to demolish buildings but correctly you know it teaches you about points of structural integrity and how to properly Ah. um, take apart a building without injuring employees or damaging other buildings around you so uh, without going completely simulator style, let's uh, find a way to make that fun as well. So, starting the clock there. I like the idea of having to sort of deconstruct a thing in the correct-ish order. Yeah, because like I, I realized, like I don't really know much about that. I was, uh, I was noticing there's a lot of construction happening on uh, Microsoft's property right now. And so, you know, oftentimes I find myself in the meeting room just looking out the window and like, wow, there's really more of a process to it. Obviously, I think as kids, we all have the fantasy of growing up to be a demolitions expert and, you know, being able to push the plunger and and blow up a a building that's marked for, you know, not just a random building, (laughs) marked for a condemned building um, or to, you know, take a wrecking ball and knock it into a wall like that. That sounds like fun, but I, I think that there is really more method to it. You start to kind of disassemble things from the top down whenever you can and, um, you know, to not create a whole disaster zone. What do you think that would like? Do you think the sort of gamey aspect of it like comes in with a a time element like there's a, you know, there's some levels that are kind of teaching you to come up to speed and they've got some generous time limits and then like. You're given a project and they're like, okay, like free form, take out this uh, skyscraper and you have like 20 minutes to do it. Sort of like endurance, like simulator race style. Like, okay, you're actually going to race for 20 minutes straight in this thing. Well, perhaps maybe there's, uh, did you ever play Boom Blocks on the uh, Nintendo Wii? I didn't know. That's a, a good set of games, two games that were produced by Steven Spielberg of all people um, that played very much like kind of Jenga, but with Wiimotes. 
And so, you know, you had these um, various mini games that were set up and uh, all kind of centered around balancing blocks. And so whether you were throwing stuff at them to try to knock over the tower and get points for yourself without setting your opponent up for uh, easy victories or whether you were trying to like pull blocks out Jenga style, you know, there was a, I think there's that that's a possible entry point where instead of just kind of Jenga block towers, you were, you have to pull apart real buildings and, you know, take it apart. You get a point, maybe every brick that you, uh, that you take, but if the building crashes, then, you know, that's a, that's a game over. Or maybe, maybe it is like just a step down from a simulator, kind of like, um, Kerbal Space Program is just like a slightly gentler version of creating actual spacecraft, but still has that, um, kind of educational and really difficult demanding aspect to it. I feel like you could offer up in this a like a Batman Arkham-esque or potentially even a Resident Evil 2 remake uh, Ada Wong scanner. How about that for a reference-esque thing where you can see where stuff like gas lines and electrical mm, are connected right. throughout the building and actually like learn a little bit about the building's infrastructure and be like, okay, we actually need to you know, disconnect the sprinkler system in order to, um, you know, move forward. And if you're not kind of putting rooms like de deconstructing rooms in the right order, you're cutting off different paths and you're not going to be able to finish the level and the, the time allotted. Yeah. You know, maybe this is like a strategy game where you're managing like your little workforce and it has to be safe for them to get to wherever they need to go. Uh, kind of like lemmings, but you know, not completely autonomous um so you know you have to uh manage the um the structure of the building you have to manage the you don't want to cause a gas leak i assume the gas to the building be turned off but you know maybe just to raise the stakes and then maybe you can even kind of zoom into any worker and get like a boots on the ground experience of you know what they're doing or you could do it yourself you know just to give you that that kind of intimate feel of uh being a part of because there's something that's like very dramatic and scary about that as well being in a building as it's being deconstructed i, I really want to like map out what the load bearing uh, uh supports are and maybe if we could even pull in some of the real visual language that uh, actual blueprints use so that it can teach people for um actual kind of on the site construction type of work yeah if you had for example the the blueprints were the way that you could like mark out and path out stuff for your workers to actually pursue. Um, and then you, you could actually try and orchestrate things like let's make sure that uh, room A and B are like properly set up to, you know, collapse once we take out room C and you're sort of orchestrating to make sure that certain things happen at the same time because like, you know, deconstruction, as you see in reality, kind of happens like slowly, you know, bit by bit and then all at mm -hmm. once in large chunks. So a lot of the setup and prep of like, okay, I got everything here. We've got this, you know, we're going to do a controlled burn on a particular wall, you know, stuff like that, where you're trying to do it as safely as possible, but then go ahead and like translate it into something that is, you know, effective and, and cascading in its results. Maybe there are different types of buildings. Maybe there are some that are like oil rigs at sea or some that, I don't know, what, what types oh, of yeah, yeah, different yeah. types of buildings do you think would be interesting to 
you know, I, I always wonder about those um, homes that you see on like Hollywood Hills that are supported by just like planks extending as they jut out dangerously. Like so the entire house is kind of balanced over the cliff face. You're, of course, referencing my favorite movie, Deep Blue Sea. Uh, I'm sure, as you know, uh, where <laughs> where or any of those many, many sort of underwater horror movies where people are uh, sort of trapped underwater i actually think there's another one called underwater that's coming out soon in theaters Hmm. where you have the added pressure of like the sea and what it does to structural environments and how you know potentially the wrong deconstruction at the wrong point will flood and and cause major damage in the facility so if you you made it almost have the feeling that you would have of like sort of managing a precarious set of Django blocks to take apart one of these buildings and really make it feel like a puzzle um, with some elements of planning, navigating the blueprints and the structure of it. You're like, maybe you can't like necessarily shut off gas or whatever, but like your awareness of where those systems sit is like part and parcel with solving the puzzle. Maybe there could be, if something does go wrong, then you have to kind of manage the disaster relief in a way whether it's a fire that kicks up you have to fly in like a chopper with the water on it or maybe you have to manage like evacuation from a part of town if you if you mess up too badly i'm not sure how you know grand in scale we want this to to get because that obviously increases dev time trying to think what else makes taking apart a building interesting i like there i think there's some level of management of like the lot as well, like planning out what sections of road you're going to have like shut off during certain like parts of the build. Like, so like, it seems like public works projects are always like 99% planning. And then like 10% of it is actually, all right, do the thing. And so making sure that like the things that will fall will fall safely and the building will sort of collapse in a controlled way and that you're getting you're collecting the debris in right places maybe you get in, now you're into pilot wings right the debris has to land correctly and all that yeah um yeah maybe you have to choose what roads to shut down as your trucks are getting in out getting it in and out or as there are maybe potentially dangerous uh scenarios um i would love for all of the um all of the aspects of management of cranes and uh all of that to be uh, to be manual so you have to find the appropriate counterbalances to make sure that they don't topple over you know all of that that you right. don't think about until you have to be put in charge of it yeah that's really cool and then you have something to planning out potentially the escape route as well and ensuring that like your workers all have a safe way of, of getting out of the building as it's sort of crumbling, uh, you know, controlled wise around them. Yeah. Well, we're out of time there. Let's, uh, close it down, come up with a name. I think the first thing that jumps to my mind, if you're controlling, uh, you know, a group of, uh, workers that are working in the demolitions field is uh, demolition men. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that works for me. I don't, I have no complaints from demolition okay. men to me. Wesley yeah, Snipes obviously. is, We'll be hearing from their lawyers, but uh, for now, it's a fine enough uh, pseudonym. Our community pitch today, this comes from our uh, community. This was submitted on playwrightcast.com slash pitch. Of course, this comes from Sam R who says, 
I recently read a Vice article which talked about Palantir and how yeah. basically data analysis can be used for a bunch of unsettling stuff. In the article, there are several videos showing how data analysis can be used to find information such as working out which employee has whistleblown. The software, Palantir, looks almost like a video game. I think a cool idea would be to use a similar interface for solving puzzles which are similar to Chiquita 3301. Puzzles could be taken from real-life examples, or they could be original. There could even be ways for players to create their own puzzles. The game could obviously have multiple ways of achieving the correct solution, and maybe even hints, as some of the puzzles could be quite complex. Thank you very much for that one. Let's uh, start the clock and, uh, you know, crack down on those whistleblowers. So obviously, I think the uh, perspective that uh, you and I would take in real life is that uh, whistleblowing is a good thing. And if your company or is doing unethical things, then uh, they should be held accountable for what they're doing. But just for the sake of the fiction, <laughs> yeah. obviously, we are uh, no strangers in video games to being cast in the roles of absolute despicable people. So we are going to be taking the side of the corporation um, absolutely cracking down on those who are trying to hold them accountable. Um, springs to mind a, a game called Orwell. It has a yes. subtitle that I'm not remembering offhand, but it is a game where you basically play like a government agency that's trying to like crack down on um, on uh, people with terroristic tendencies in heavy quotes, which basically means those whose political ideologies don't align with uh, with the ruling class. And um, to find out more about the suspects that they send you after, uh, you have to, uh, you're, you're given access to like their social media, their text messages, like all of these, um, these disparate pieces of, of data, these sources of data. And you have to kind of like put together like a profile of each character and um, try to predict where they're going to be and and find more efficient ways to stock them essentially it's an interesting game and uh, I, I think we can do some similar things here so uh, with this email coming in i went and i checked out i think one of the articles in question although uh, vice and motherboard have a lot of articles about uh, the sort of software that palantir has and they're doing things like Looking at data across the web of the way someone is described in a quote, like a top level company executive, and then they're looking at top level company executives page and seeing like events that they went to outside of work and what other employees were possibly tagged into those events and all this sort of like really creepy facial recognition stuff that, uh, you know, is... There's no, there's no getting around it. It's, it's spying on, you know, your own people, um, for the sake of, I guess, like protecting company secrets. Cool. Um, I'm sure it could be used for protecting state secrets and, and, and all sorts of things. But one of the things that's interesting about it is you're kind of always like browsing a tree of suspects. And I think that there are a lot of video games that deal in like, the whodunit or the mystery aspect of like solving a case. For example, we talk about cop games a lot on this show, but like not through the lens of data visualization of being able to see people on a map 
and seeing associates of those people and being able to drill into informations about the associates and comb through their social profiles and like basically a simulator of a bunch of people's publicly accessible information and that that's kind of interesting to me yeah i, th- I feel like these types of games generally and uh fiction in general tend to put us in the um in the boots of either people who are resisting and are being spied upon or the governments that are spying at a very very high level whereas i think the challenges of um having the somewhat more restricted access of a business instead of a government is uh interesting as well you know as you only have access to things that are publicly available, but then at the same time, you know, you'd be surprised and maybe as an educational effort, like what is still traceable with what is publicly available. Yeah. Although increasingly, depending on what people's social media presence looks like, that information is nearly identical to what a state can see and what a company can see. The sort of reality of dealing with what what you can see about someone. I think I've like, I've pitched as a party game before, like a game where you have access to someone's entire social media profile. And then you, you have to sort of like answer a quiz as you pretend to be them. So there's like Hmm. that, uh, uh, you know, falsifying an identity. And I'm trying to think about like what it's almost like the way some of this, the visuals of this, and it's a little bit hard to describe, but just imagine like a family tree only it's, you know, trying to express relationships uh, of people mm-hmm. rather than just, uh, you know, parentage or lineage. What if you did, like, is there an arcade version of this that is like a six <laughs> degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon sort of thing? Possibly. Like, you're trying to link two people as quickly as possible, but unless you really know anything about them, you're just kind of randomly clicking around. I think you might at first, unless you like start to, you'd have to give someone tools to quickly hone down on details, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's interesting. Maybe like there's a speed aspect of this where you could uh, speed run the games, find those, those links quickly, discover who might be, if somebody has their social network profile pretty locked down, then uh, maybe their friend who you have picked up has similar interests doesn't have that same level of security and you can use that friend to by proxy kind of spy on the person that you are uh, going after. Um, I think I feel like we also have to take some level of social responsibility since online stalking is already a huge problem. Like, are we actually going to be teaching people how to more efficiently stalk people online? Because we would probably want to take some measure to make sure we're not giving people actual training and tools to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I guess it's a little bit about how it's handled in terms of, you know, I think there's there's there is realistically like you can't find out information about this person. Well, guess what? Their friend tagged them in a photo and like what does that give you access to when you're living in that world? So, mm-hmm. in in that way like to do one you kind of are doing the other by default. Uh, maybe there are ways to also teach people how to protect themselves from this type of uh, invasive uh, spying, you know, to maybe they put you on the other side as well. Maybe there's even like a competitive mode where you have to, uh, one person is tasked with finding out who, you know, is perpetrating a certain crime while the other person is actually perpetrating it and trying to do their best to cover their 
tracks online. That is interesting. Like it's almost taking it into the level of HR software where you're like, and what did this person not do? They didn't, they didn't control their privacy on their Facebook page. And that was the thing that did it. So you could kind of have those, those things baked in either explicitly or implicitly. Uh, I do like the idea of like using an opportunity to teach people all the ways that they, they sort of out themselves online, but I don't know if this adds anything to the game or not. It's more of an anecdote, but I learned that one of the things that Instagram does, uh, Instagram starts counting up the milliseconds that you are not scrolling when you are looking through profiles. So anytime you like stop scrolling, they're like, okay, the timer begins. And that is a way for them to glean just how much time you're spending looking at what in the app. And that like auto... On a macro scale, it's just like, oh, people look at pictures, but then they look at comments or whatever. But on the micro scale is, uh, you know, H and Q have increasingly been looking at uh, pictures of people with dogs and families. Maybe they're thinking about getting a dog and Mm. let's sell them, you know, dog supplies or something. Or let's uh, tell them, you know, where to go get a puppy and that sort of thing. So maybe there's also the just like there's like the build an algorithm sort of thing. And you get into almost a coding game to do that sort of stuff. Or if there was kind of like a real drag and drop way to create algorithmic trees to, to trace these behaviors and find clever ways. That's interesting. That's really troubling though. I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, the probably just ruined a bunch of people's day. Uh, there is something to that, though. I think like in the way, you know, popular game recently was Baba is You, which is like a kind of, well, basic and not so basic programming game in many ways. And I think like being able to use that and leverage that and say, hey, what if you gave the user the mission of how would you figure out what this person wants to buy and like have them write something of like, well, I would track their location uh back and forth from their home for a week and then i'm seeing all the businesses that they stop at and then i'm like okay i think they want to buy shirts based on that so it's all that sort of behavioral stuff that we do that is connected and and in that way is educational and you let people see oh if somebody did have access to my location over a long period of time, they could see these sort of extraordinary things about my own behavior. All right. Well, we have to stop thinking about this. <laughs> Let's close that down. Let's come up with a name for it. Uh, privacy is a good word to put in there, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> Even like Snoop. Let's face it. It's a... Maybe it's privacy, but C spelled out S-E-E. Privacy. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And you do like <laughs> it's gonna cameras be a and for stuff. a very sinister game. If we'll, we'll do, we'll put it in a, you know, a bold, maybe italic font with some, <laughs> we'll give it a texture. It'll, it'll, we can make it look sinister. I, Anyways, thank you very much, Sam R., for submitting that one. Uh, that was submitted through our website at playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can, community members, submit a pitch through our Twitter at PlaywrightCast or through our uh, email, PlaywrightCast at gmail.com. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And of course, thank you to the Cane and Rinse Podcast Network. All 
great shows where you can now hear the triumphant return of Mr. H reviewing <laughs> video games here on the Cannon Rinse podcast. Uh, and then hear him again and sound a play. And you're listening to him on this show. You know what? Is this the Ryan Heyman network? I'm starting to realize it's all, it's all clicking for me. I got to take over the sausage factory. <laughs> That's right. Sausage factory where they interview just Ryan Heyman. <laughs> all sorts of good shows. You've got to go. It's like the last business on the block that the, uh, the mogul hasn't muscled out of town yet. <laughs> That's right. You're the Langoliers. You're just eating all podcast <laughs> history. And <laughs> man, a Langoliers game that, that, uh, you know what? I'm going to save it for the last pitch of the day. That's what I think well, I'm going to do. on that note, what is the <laughs> miniature pitch you want to take us out with? Why don't we do a game where you play as someone running uh, or trying to combat the Langoliers, uh, which are demons that are trying to uh, eat uh, the past, which is a weird concept, but go read the book or watch the really awful made-for-TV movie. It's uh, <laughs> It's... It's kind of worth your time. It'll be shorter than it chapter one and two together. I promise. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.